Hello, and welcome to Solo Cristo, where we search the scriptures to find answers to cultural and biblical questions to help you find confidence in Christ. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Solo Cristo. I am here with my anointed brothers in Christ. Come on. We got... J-Dog, Johnny... And our special guest this evening is Lil P. Lil Paul Oligus. <laughs> hey, yeah. Honestly, though, you guys, totally serious. I'm pumped to cover this topic with you guys, and I'm very grateful to be here. It's going to be a fun topic to dive into. We are going to be talking about anointing, anointed, uh, and just the overall use of the actual um, biblical terms of anointing and kind of the more modern cultural ways Um that word is used, but we're going to start off by kind of just defining those terms. Kick us off, Johnny. Yeah, so um, kind of beginning in the Old Testament, like within that culture, anointing with oil was a very um, common and well-known thing. Not even within Israelite culture, you know, but Mm -hmm. in other cultures as well, oil was used um, for grooming, for medicinal purposes, and for ceremonial purposes as well. Yeah. Um, So it was very commonly used um, throughout, you know, all of the Old Testament, um, but specifically within, you know, the the Jewish culture, there was ceremonial anointing that was um, a physical act of taking this oil and smearing, rubbing, or pouring it over someone's head or an object, and what it was was to signify it was an outward symbol of that thing or that person being chosen and set apart mm-hmm. for like a specific purpose right so it signified like this thing or this person is holy and set apart for this um reason um and just one thing that was actually really interesting to me i I didn't know this until i was just studying this topic but um god actually prescribed a specific formula for this um for this ceremony oil Hmm. yeah the old little olive oil and spice yeah it's um i think exodus in exodus 30 talks about and the thing is he even says that it, like, it was a serious uh, offense if um, someone didn't use this oil or used it for different reasons, that they would be literally cut off from the community like, of Israel. Yeah, so like, wow. it was a very serious thing. So, so the, the, the Israelites, they really understood the magnitude of anointing with oil and what it signified and what um, God intended for it to, to point to. Um, so that's kind of the Old Testament, you know, like purposes of... Of yeah. anointing when we talk about that, and, and you know, and then the bigger spiritual meanings behind it, which is like being chosen, set apart, um, putting things over as, as holy. But in the New Testament, do you guys like what do you see it being used as? I mean, there is in the New Testament a carrying over of the anointing with oil, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. And I know we got some questions before this episode, and I got it several times of like. Should we still be anointing with oil? But I'll be honest, I'm personally a little more excited to talk about the what I feel like we see even more so uh, in a lot of circles, which is this person's carrying an anointing or you can have the anointing mm. and um, and see if that's, you know, how that looks biblically, particularly in the so New Testament. Could you define that real quick, what you mean by the anointing uh, yeah. that you're talking about? Or, or if not, you know, not just you, but kind of more what people in general mean when they talk about yeah. that. Yeah, I would say that, um, and for myself, coming out of 
of what I would consider kind of a hyper charismatic camp mm-hmm. where the anointing that I'm referring to is very prevalent in the discussions around that. Um, it's kind of a carrying slash possessing a, a spiritual mightiness almost like uh, you are mm-hmm. carrying a fire, something that um, you can achieve it can be, uh, and I, I don't know, I guess like we're just diving right into it. I don't, I don't mean to like uh, shift from the the flow, but um, yeah, I'm really excited to Go for it. talk about this. Let me hop into my notes real quick. Um, one, one thing in regards to that, as I'm just trying to kind of collect my thoughts, one thing that I, I heard is do not touch the Lord's anointed. And mm-hmm. so when I'm referring to someone kind of holding and anointing it, it kind of looks like this person's ministry is impacting a lot of people. There's a spiritual kind of thick propheticness around it. And Mm -hmm. it's like this, this minister in particular carries uh, just something special. It's something special in the spirit, right? A special might like kind of strength or spiritual mightiness. Right. So something supernatural, whether that's upon a, a certain person or a ministry or a specific worship band, church, ministry, uh, I already said ministry, but, or, or a song even, oh, like yeah. people use that terminology of this is anointed because they sense a superior um, power behind it that they don't find in just, I suppose you could say, common preachers that's, or and that's, common churches. That's a great point, Johnny. I think there is kind of a distinction whether it's said or just kind of understood. There's the, the common Christian, and then there's an anointed Christian. Right. And and I'm not trying to like sudden just come out of the gate bashing this idea. I, I want to genuinely kind of work through it. I know we all yeah. have stuff we're going to be bringing up, notes and so forth. But yeah, I, I would say that is, it's kind of like, uh, I think there was a, a charismatic YouTuber that was talking about it. And he it's kind of like, people that are anointed, you can tell, and they're built different. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's hilarious. Um, so I guess kind of pulling back into... Uh, the Old Testament, Old Testament view of anointing and kind of how that translates into the New Testament. Um, what we do see in the New Testament immediately just is that Christ is our anointed one. Christ is our anointed king, priest, prophet, everything above, everything above that. But what we can also see in that is with us as Christians, all those whose faith mm-hmm. is in Christ are anointed in him. Do, real quick, do you think that perhaps people more more in the charismatic circles that are really big on like you know you can you can receive the anointing and walk in it and most of you aren't right now but you could would they agree with that statement that you made chris that we're all anointed i don't know i'm i'm pretty unfamiliar with with that realm with uh, mm-hmm. the beliefs of that okay. um i've tried to i've tried to look up a couple of things but from what i from what it seems it is either one of two camps, either you are anointed or you're not, or it is, yeah, we may all have kind of a baseline of anointing, Mm -hmm. but not everyone has that double anointing, triple anointing. There's, you know, different levels of anointing that, that people can receive. Um, And I would go ahead and make the claim that you can't really back that up with scripture. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I, I would agree. Um, 
it, it gets they they get very specific as well where it's like a certain person can carry the davidic anointing and be very and it's it's someone who's like very musically talented or someone can carry the um anointing of elijah and it's someone who's very prophetic you know um so there's a lot of different anointings and mantles that people who believe in this secondary anointing yeah um that believe that kind of just like you know are i don't even know floating around i don't i don't know the thing is and and we'll get to it of how we believe that this is you know passed on or carried on or whether you can lose these things or not um yeah and it it seems it seems like this the word anointing is just misused it's mm. just it's used as a replacement of like oh wow this song is so good i love it so much it is so anointed it's like well you're just you're just pulling that word and saying that this oh this preacher is such a great speaker he's super anointed and it seems like it gets kind of replaced with like oh talented or oh this person has a gift anointed they have a calling anointed and it's a calling is not an anointing a talent's not an anointing you know there's no additional anointing for a specific a specific thing that we can unlock so i I don't know so then what would you describe then as because obviously there is such a thing as the anointing or an anointing Mm -hmm. um and if it's not specific um or not secondary that there's not levels to it would you say that what is this anointing then? Yeah, so within the New Testament, we see Christ declaring that he is mm-hmm. the anointed one. I mean, that's that's what Christ means. Right. That is the literal translation of that. Yeah. Um, but, and then continued throughout the New Testament, we see that we are anointed in Christ. Um, one that I had pulled up here was First John 20 but the anointing that you received from him abides in you. Some translations will say remains in you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we see that littered throughout the New Testament. I'm sure more examples will get brought up throughout the the evening. But um, yeah, I would say that we as Christians are found in Christ who is the anointed one. Okay. Therefore, we remain anointed in him. Right. So it's not even our anointing per se or us being anointed, but it is... Christ is the anointed one, and we have been grafted into Christ. We are in Christ, and in that way, we are anointed. Yeah. If I'm understanding. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Let me ask you guys this. Um, something that kind of comes to my mind when I think about the New Testament, because we're kind of focusing on the New Testament here. Mm-hmm. Um, when Jesus died and ra- was raised again, Peter, it said, and I, I'm not sure if it used the word anointing, but it was obvious that the spirit was very thick on him to where people could touch his robes and uh, experience miracles. Um, and I'm thinking of when uh, he kind of gave a, a message to the crowd and was it 4,000 were added to their number that day or something like that. Yeah. What would you guys call that? An act of the Holy Spirit. Right. So, and I think this is where we need to cuz my belief from, from from reading this is that specifically how that anointing of Christ comes upon us is that it is the holy spirit right so we have in scripture multiple instances where um oil in the old testament is a shadow of the of the holy spirit it's a sign of the holy spirit 
um, when when David is um, ordained as, or he's not ordained, but he's he's anointed as king mm-hmm. by Samuel, it says that mm-hmm. he poured oil on him, and it says from that day forward, the spirit of God was upon him. Yeah, right. And we see that happen multiple times, where it's the oil that we see used in anointings is specifically a shadow of the Holy Spirit. So when we see Peter in the New Testament and kind of this um, this power that he walked with, it wasn't, it was, it was simply the Holy Spirit is what it was. So yes, he was anointed in that he was indwelt by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit used him um, for various miracles and to work powerful things um, for the witness of the gospel and the, you know, building of the, the, the primitive church, if you will. Um, but I guess a good question would be then, and I'm, and I'm wondering if this is what you're asking is, does that now continue to where do we have modern day Peters walking around with a higher level of a higher degree almost of the Holy Spirit operating within them? Yeah, that's uh, ultimately, I think that is my inquisition. So what do you think? Well, uh, about hmm, three years ago now, four year, four years ago maybe, when we were more in that camp, and I kind of brought up some concerns I had. We had we had just watched the American Gospel, okay, um, and I had brought up some stuff to uh, uh, someone that I was close to in uh, very kind of charismatic circles, and he said, you know, I, I would discourage this film. I haven't seen it, but I would discourage it because even though, you know, Benny Hinn isn't perfect and, and I would definitely agree with that. And I have strong concerns with Benny Hinn's ministry, but he said, even though he's not perfect, if you look at his ministry, he's anointed because of just the power that's coming out of his ministry. And Paul, I want you to be careful not to touch the Lord's anointed. Wow. So, I've, so are I've you ever at, heard someone you, say like that in, in person, like actually say it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and so funny enough, yeah, funny that? enough because of where I was kind of sitting, even though that struck me a little odd i was still very much like you know what that, that sounds good to me mm-hmm. yeah i'm going to discourage people from watching this film mm-hmm. um as i have kind of pulled away um distanced myself some from the more hyper charismatic circles i i have looked more into that scripture verse and there's right. two places i believe in the old testament um one where david is, is telling you know his men don't don't strike down saul He's the Lord's anointed, mm-hmm. um, which I'm looking at what my my friend said there in that moment. That wouldn't really apply, no. To speaking no. against the Lord's anointed being Benny Hinn because of his ministry, we're not allowed to critique it, right? We're it's, not allowed to call it out. Um, but also the other verse I believe was Psalms talking about um, you know God anointing Israel and Israel's fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the kings, and so that wouldn't you know is like. Kings, don't don't you touch my my people here? Yeah, and that wouldn't. It it really feels like a stretch to suddenly say this person's ministry, Benny Hinn's ministry, or a, a number of these seemingly very. <laughs> this ministry is is making waves, mm-hmm. but that we can't critique it because we can't touch the Lord's anointed. Um, it just it it doesn't it doesn't sit well with me at the moment. It's right. just bad hermeneutics. Yeah, and also just, yeah, so like the two things of um, number one being the fact of when that's talking about, it says, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. In that context, there were people running around killing 
prophets. Yep. There was, and, and David, it was like, hey, David, kill Saul. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's God's anointed. God, God has appointed him as king. He's, he's anointed me as the next king, but I'm not going to take that into my own hands and kill this man. And then, yeah, for us to then equate that to um, bringing forth, like, biblical critique upon someone's teaching simply does not equate. Now, if I were to say, I don't like what Benny Hinn is teaching, I'm going to kill him, then absolutely don't let me do that, guys, yeah. right? And I'm not saying that, so just He's not saying please, that no for one, the record. Yeah, for the record. No one take that and run with it. Oh, they're going to clip this, aren't they? I'm going I'm to, done. for sure. I'm buried. <laughs> but, no, yeah, but in all honesty, like, it, it just simply doesn't equate. And especially when throughout the New Testament epistles, we have so many warnings about false teachers. And we have so many instances where the, um, the apostles are teaching us, hey, watch out for people who are going to be teaching things that aren't according to the one true gospel that you've received already, right? This is going to be happening from those among you and those outside of you who are going to be coming in. It's coming from both angles. And it's going to be happening, so keep watch and be diligent and call them out on it. We have several instances of that happening even. I mean, we even have Paul calling out Peter in the New Testament yep. about mm -hmm. certain things that he was doing that didn't align with the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we simply do not have any biblical support to say that like, hey, if someone's operating in power, you aren't allowed to critique them. So to throw my uh, friend uh, a little bit of a, a piece, what do you call it? A, a bone. A, a bone. bone. You know, I think his the majority of his heart there was let's um and you guys have seen it there, there's a little bit of a maybe a, a some people overdo it and they're just critiquing the crud out of any pastor any little thing and i think the heart of of what he was saying was there is people that are in in his mind doing mighty things from the lord and let's just be really cautious to slander them or to to cut them down or to become right. but i've also noticed that again in the kind of hyper charismatic circles they're very gracious mm -hmm. with these people to the point where it's like, ooh, they might be doing some stuff that, that is, is yellow flags, if not red flags. Well, the Lord's obviously working in them. They're obviously gifted. They're anointed. So let's just show a lot of grace to the point where I would consider it problematic because then you get into the prophetic abuses and, oh, yeah. and abuse of different kinds, of lots of different kinds. Yeah, and, and we've seen that play out, sadly. Like there was one specific instance in the Brownsville, Florida revival that happened about a decade ago. Um, the guy, Todd Bentley, right? He was like, there was like miracles happening at his church. People are coming from all over, this, that. Come to find out that he left his wife for another woman, you know, has been had been abusing alcohol and all sorts of other things, had been sleeping around during all of this giant revival. And yet people were afraid to say anything or pursue anything or do anything mm. because this guy is anointed and there's other instances too. There's a, another man, which the Kansas City prophets during the 90s, there's, you know, there was a, a prophet within that who began abusing his gifting by, by doing very uh, bad things. Yeah, I don't know how far I want to, like, hmm. <laughs> but basically know. abusing, like sexually abusing women is what he was doing, using his gifting to do that. And men, within the church were like aware that this guy is off kilter and they later confessed and were like, hey, yeah, we shouldn't have let him keep operating, mm -hmm. but we were afraid to stop him because of the great anointing he carried. That is so insane because the Bible yeah. is very clear about these things. There's a there's a reason for church discipline. There's Absolutely. a reason, you know, like you, like you brought up that uh, Paul 
um, confronts Peter over something. Mm-hmm. We're called to do this. We're called to do this to to our brothers. It has nothing to do with a position. We are equally sons and daughters of Christ, of God. Therefore, if someone's stepping out of the lines that the Bible clearly puts around us, then it also clear clearly sets out a path for us to take. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is the the in my opinion, the primary danger of leaning too heavily into this teaching of having secondary anointings is that you begin to have um, men and women of the faith who are placed on various pedestals. Yeah. And where it's like, hey, look, I have a lesser an, an anointing than person B, and yet I see them teaching something wrongly or, or behaving in a way that's not you know, cohesive with Christianity, and yet I'm afraid to say anything because they, they operate at such a, a higher spiritual plane as me. And we have countless instances of that yeah. being used to defend actions and behaviors of people. They say, I'm simply on a different level. Well, and I, I want to touch on that because that's big. That's big. But um, I do just want to encourage maybe listeners that have perhaps been impacted at some type of um, conference or event and then perhaps it did come out kind of like, and yeah, we, we don't need to keep naming names, but, and then it came out that, wow, this person that seemed to be very gifted, uh, was living in some secret sin. I still think, and you guys can share a different opinion if you have it, but that the Lord can absolutely still do a work in your heart, a very real work at the hands of someone that might be deceptive or living in a secret sin. So I, I want to encourage you don't, don't start doubting maybe what the Lord's done. Yeah. This, the, the sins of man has never limited God's ability to work. It's good. So, yeah. No. But if the if if there was specific teaching taught by those people that's off, then yeah, I I I'd oh, encourage yeah. you to, you know, if the be a Berean. Off. Yeah, be a Berean and and measure everything by be, the standard of scripture alone. And that's what we're going to try to do here today is that we understand that even many of you listening may have experiences with people who you would consider anointed, anointed. And you'll simply say, I know what I've experienced. I know what I've seen. But we need to be Bereans about everything in our life. We need to test everything according to the scriptures and see, does this hold up? Right? Mm-hmm. Does this, do we see this example in, in the scriptures? And um, simply put, we, we see, you know, prophets in the Old Testament carrying, you know, anointings, specific ones like Elijah. You know, he had a specific anointing. He was, he held the, the office of prophet in Israel in his day. And then he passed that on to Elisha, right? Now, that does not mean that that has carried on now to our present day because that was simply an image and a shadow of Christ, our true prophet. We no longer have to run to our respective Elijah or Elisha because we have Christ who is our king, our prophet, and our priest, Right, He is the anointed one, like Chris was saying earlier. And so we have, if we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we have been anointed by that. And that is a full anointing. You're not missing out on a double portion somewhere. You're not missing out on more of Christ mm-hmm. that he's holding out on you for whatever reason. Like He has given you everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, Second Peter 1.3. Right? Everything that you need for a godly life. His divine power has given it to you. So to encourage you guys, yeah, like if you feel like you see these people that you you think are convinced operate on a on a 
on a spiritual plane that you built different. Yeah, that are built different. <laughs> um, be encouraged that you have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives within you, and He has given you everything necessary for a godly life. So cling to Christ. Look to Christ. You know, study your scriptures. Be in the local community of the church body. Yeah, that's that's such a good point that you you brought up that the anointing that's already be done, that's already been done in our spirit is done and it has been done in full. There is no, you know, part or separate measure of the Holy Spirit. It's not given out in doses and it's not taken away in doses. There is no leveling up. There's no second anointing for us to, to seek after or to strive for so that we may experience more, you know, power, joy, or, or even holiness. Um, we're not told in scripture to ask for a greater, a second new anointing that's been, and that's simply because it's already been done. It's yeah. already been done. It's been given to us in Christ anointed. Um, okay, that's why, like going back to calling all these other things anoint anointings, it's like a calling, a talent, or you know, saying like, oh, we need to unlock our anointing. We need to release our faith. None of these things can be found in Scripture. Yeah, and Scripture doesn't point to any you know, more than one spiritual anointing for believers. Absolutely. Um, and I was even, so I was taught um, previously in my previous church, um, they were teaching us, in they had an, someone come in. In, an, in another life? <laughs> same life. I don't, I didn't know you were mm. Buddhist. But, I apologize. <laughs> but we had someone come in and it was teaching us how to meet the conditions necessary in order to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, mm. or what what people would call, you know, the secondary Second anointing, anointing yeah. you know, this this anointing that we're talking about, and he was saying there there are conditions you need to meet in order to God to in order for God to grant you that gift, and what he was telling us is that we must uh, come before God as pure, clean, and holy, like God will not enter us. He will not put His oil in like a dirty vessel, you know. So like. If you have any sort of sin that you're struggling with or whatever, you need to take it. You need to be. You need to take control of that. Um, there was also another. As, as we were doing our research, um, Paul actually shared a video with us, and in that video is I won't mention the name, but there was a very popular preacher, and he was preaching also on the anointing, and he was saying that he was claiming that you must take care of your flesh and have it under control be completely domineering over your flesh before the Lord is willing to give you the anointing. And that the Holy Spirit is simply waiting on you to do your part first. So the Holy Spirit's standing by, just like, come on, Johnny. You know, like, kill the flesh. Like, take control over sin. And then once you do, once you're clean, once you're pure, once you're holy, then I will, you know, give you a great measure of my Holy Spirit. The great issue with that, and that grieves my heart so much, is that that's completely anti-gospel. God is the one who comes, and he makes unclean things clean yeah. by his presence alone. We see that. At, Jesus modeled it when he mm. walked around, and things that were unclean, lepers, he came and he healed them, and they became clean. We see that with the cold touching the lips of Isaiah. And he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And God had the angel go just touch his lips, and boom, he's made clean by something that was... He's made... um. Yeah, clean by something that was clean. And so within God's economy, it is not how we see in real life where, oh, dirty things make clean things dirty. No, in God's econ economy, 
It is those things that are dirty and unclean that God comes and makes clean. He's not waiting for you to get your act together for him to come in. You can't take control of your flesh without the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It is the Holy Spirit alone that gives you the power and the volition to do so. Well, in this, Johnny, this may be one of those areas where I don't necessarily see it exactly like you and Chris. The sermon that I sent to you guys, um, my kind of potential issue with that is he kept referring to, you know, if you want this anointing, God's He's God's not going to give you this anointing, kind of like what you're saying, unless you put your flesh in check, unless you do this, this, and this. And I was kind of like, uh, not totally sure about that, but I think something can be said for, and, and he, what the guy mentioned was he used to come home and spend a while watching like Western movies. And mm-hmm. he realized like, no, like, I can be going after the things of God with this time. And as he kind of refocused uh, his time, he st- stepped into what he called the anointing. And for a good chunk of time, he had the anointing and then he talked about kind of losing it, which is uh, you can talk about that controversy a little yeah. bit, but I, I, to me took away like, man, I'm feeling challenged by this message to really examine like how I'm spending my time. And could there be more for me that God like is like, Paul, you know, this is available to you, whether you want to call it an anointing or what I would just consider. And I, in my notes said, I would say the opposite of us walking in the anointing, if you will, is being spiritually dead inside. And so I do think, you know, how many Christians just looking around maybe in America that I would say do have a genuine faith walk, but that their faith walks are so kind of jaded or muted or ineffective because they're just, they're just lazy or they're, um, you know, not really walking, uh, they're, they're living in worldliness. They're lazy when it's like, you know, you guys could like, you could step it up. You could, there are things you could do that would just increase your intimacy and power and power, you know, just ultimately your, uh, your intimacy with God that will produce better fruit. You could be producing better fruit than you are. Yeah. And just a couple things. There is a, you said, you know, a Christian being spiritually dead, I would go ahead and make the clear distinction that there's no such thing as a spiritually dead Christian. Ooh. You are either dead to dead in sin or you're alive in Christ. There's no, yeah. There's no. There's no middle ground. But there is. There is wisdom in kind of how he was saying, like, man, I realize I'm. I'm doing this with my time when I could be honoring the Lord with my time way better. There's plenty of wisdom in that. Mm-hmm. The issue that that comes up is when you're saying like, oh, because I did that, I stepped into a greater anointing, and it's like, you go from wisdom to saying something that can't be backed up by scripture. And there's, like I said, there's absolutely wisdom in examining our lives, the things that we're doing that may not directly be sinful. There's nothing wrong with watching TV, watching some Western movies. But if, you know, the Lord's placed it on your heart to spend more time with him and you examine your your life and find ways to do that, awesome. Praise God for that. But to say that because I did that, I'm now in a greater anointing and then something happens and you step out of that anointing for a season of your life and then you step back into it. It's just, you're creating something that doesn't exist in the Bible. Yeah. It's my issue with it is that it seems to place the self apart from the Holy spirit. And it's like, Hey, Holy spirit, you're over here. You're not helping me. You know, like 
literally that that's the statement being made is you're not willing to help me until I get my act together. Like I need to do all these things is what was explicitly said was I was doing these things. You know, I was watching too much TV. I need to get my act together and only then will the Holy Spirit assist me or help me when he is literally the helper. Without him, we can have no victory over anything. I'm helpless. I I cannot defeat sin without the Holy Spirit. That's what all of Scripture has taught us from the beginning to the end of it. And I I would agree with that where I just maybe see it a little differently than you guys is like the personal responsibility um, really does hold a lot of weight in a Mm -hmm. Christian's life. Like I I would maybe say that that's, uh, I I would put that on a little bit of a higher uh, rung than you guys put. Well, there definitely is responsibility. We're responsible to the things we do. Right. If I'm neglecting certain things or if I'm living in sin, I'm responsible for that, not God. Right. Yet, what needs to be understood is that the only way out of that is by the help of God. I have to run to God in order to find safety and security and power to, to overcome that. He's not standing off by the side and saying, once you pick yourself up, Johnny, then I'll come and help you. Yeah, it's not you doing your own works. It, I mean, yeah. it's, it's through Christ, but again, kind of a partnership maybe we all three would agree we're not sold on the the idea that he he kind of refocuses his time he spends more time in the quiet place in the word eating it up and then he he gets this anointing we maybe aren't sitting well with that but could we at least all agree that by pressing in and you know doing doing the work and i know that sounds you know it's not working for salvation but it is doing just the work with Christ in Christ that, um, you know, more fruit can be born and, and more ultimately, you know, it talks about when we get to heaven, there's going to be different crowns based off of how we lived our lives and so forth. That Yeah, absolutely. There's, like I said, there's wisdom and we are called to seek after God, but the, that's definitely not where in the, the issue lies. Uh, it, it is in the idea that, doing X led him to receiving Y and Y being some sort of anointing, temporary, forever, any sort of secondary spiritual anointing placed above what we have kind of laid out a definition of being anointed is the receiving of the Holy Spirit, which is done at the moment of salvation to its full. Yeah. Yeah, well, and Johnny, since we're kind of talking about this, particular um popular pastor you had mentioned a little bit ago and i i do think maybe those that are listening in that are still sitting in certain churches like this and i feel like you'll kind of know if you are but you have the head of the church and perhaps they um you know go by apostle or prophet or simply they, they don't but it's they're very much like it's just recognized by the congregation this man is on a different level and, you know, when he gives you advice, when he speaks, when he gives you a word, like, it's it's just kind of understood that this is God for you. It's like, don't question it almost. It, and, and that's, you know, I, I've been there and, and much of that is on myself. And there is there is a level of, man, this, like, is my pastor. Yeah. And there's a scripture verse that talks about, you know, receiving his words. He's, he's going to have to give an account before God. I was about to say he or she, but uh, I'll leave that for another day. <laughs> 
Um, oh. They're going to have to be in a <laughs> We'll get to that. Chris is looking at me. No, I <laughs> no, you guys know where we, we all are on the same page, I think. But, um, you know, he's going to have to give an account before God for, right. for the words and the message and, and, and so forth. But like Johnny already mentioned, we're called to be Bereans. Paul um, admonished them, the, the Bereans, for searching the scriptures to s- compare with what he said. But there is this kind of culture in a lot of churches where these people are on just they're on a different spiritual level and you don't question because i mean this is literally like jesus speaking to you they potentially operate in a very um confident charismatic hyper spiritual hyper prophetic and it's just that's dangerous guys like i've just i've seen it i've felt it and uh you you almost start just kind of like the responsibility is off of you. Um, it's off of your kind of personal walk with the Lord because they're they're they got you covered because of these hyper spiritual leaders in the church. Yeah, yeah, it's. I would just quick. It's also it's simply not biblical to to have a structure that way to put someone at such an elevated place, but also to take what Christ has done in you and lower it to a point to where you you say that you are at a at a lesser than point. Yeah. And it's funny because just yesterday, um, someone sent me on Instagram a story of a young evangelist. He's uh, pretty new to evangelism, but he's got like over 10,000 followers. Yeah. You know, he's Whoa. impactful. Good. Um, but he just started this like subscriber thing on Instagram where you pay and you get like exclusive content. And on his story, he's like pushing it, right? And what he says in his story is, you know, it's $10 a month and you'll be getting, I'll be, you know, releasing to you guys keys for like, like growth in the spirit. And, you know, that kind of language of like, I have keys that are to be unlocking like things for you as a believer that you wouldn't get elsewhere. So he was saying, you won't get it in the church. You won't get it in these other, this is like specific to like this. And then he said, he said, and for those of you who are hearing this and saying, who is this guy? Like, what is this? (laughs) Um, He was like, for those of you who are like that, guess what? You can just stay small. Oh, yeah, that's so gross. Stay little in your faith, and don't pay me to give you the keys to spiritual growth. Yes, I signed us all up for a one-year membership. <laughs> no, so, so the thing is, I actually responded to him because I was genuinely concerned. I'm like, hey, like, yeah, and and I wrote him a message, and I said simply, like, I don't think this is beneficial to present yourself in this way. You know, to to tell believers that to literally threaten their faith by saying, if you do not follow me, your faith will not grow. That is incredibly dangerous and prideful and wrong. And so I just tried to gently just, you know, lead him away from that mentality. And I shared this verse with him. Um, Before I share this verse, I do want to say that he did receive it well, and he took down the post. Oh, wow. That's 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 rare. I was so encouraged and blessed by it. Yeah, so praise praise God for that. Um, But I shared this verse with him. I said... um, First uh, John, second, second, First John, <laughs> chapter two, um, verses twenty six and twenty seven. So John's writing to to his little children, John. little believers. Yep. And he says, "I have written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you." <gasps> so he's setting the stage. Yep. There are teachers around in this community that are trying to deceive these Christians, and he's saying, "I'm writing this to you about these people." He goes on to say, "And as for you, right, the actual believers." The anointing you received from him, Jesus, remains in you. 
and yeah. you do not need anyone to teach you. Whoa. But just as his true and genuine anointing teaches you about all things, so remain in him as you have been taught. So what John is saying, he's not saying you can't be taught at all, refuse all teaching, because he's obviously teaching them here, right? right? But there was obviously a mentality among these deceivers that were coming in and prodding these people and being like, hey, you need to be taught these other things. And in that time, mm -hmm. there was a lot of Gnostic teaching, right? That was a mm -hmm. huge uh, movement away from the true gospel of this secret knowledge that people were trying to to hoard and to say, come to us and we will give you the secret knowledge. And so John's saying, hey, look, these people trying to deceive you, trying to pull you away, saying that you need to have this other superior teaching, mm. don't fall for that. You have been anointed, right, oh. by Jesus Christ, and he teaches you by his Holy Spirit. Yeah. We're, all, we're all anointed. Well, yeah. and Johnny, real quick, um, to your point, kind of that story, one of the things I uh, had noted was that the anointed leaders, the anointed very confident, charismatic type leaders um, often offer lots of visions, dreams, prophecies. And um, one of my favorites is God is about to do this. God is about to do this or God is doing this. And kind of like what you're saying, get on board or you're going to miss it. Kind of in uh, something that I've noticed that a, a culture that creates is for the audience, it's kind of like, oh, baby, we are the special ones that get this. Or ultimately, it's... <laughs> And I, I say this, I don't know how I say this, is extra biblical revelations. Straight up. Yeah. Um, and so there, it's like we're the special ones, and it mm -hmm. creates kind of this, um, I, I'm I'm dependent now on this man. Yeah. Scripture's not really, you know, Scripture's great, but this stuff is like super new. God, This is what God's doing now. Yeah. yeah. It's it's exclusive content. It's exclusive. It's, it's for $10 a month only. content, yeah. baby. So they have the uh, they have the anointing of marketing is what they got. Oh no, <laughs> no, he didn't. But no, there's like Johnny. That's a perfect verse for this. And there's several. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, it's literally speaking to the the exact situation. And um, first Corinthians, second Corinthians. Sorry, you got me all messed up with the twos. Mm -hmm. Second Corinthians, uh, two twenty one, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. Then you go, you can go to. Second Peter, a lot of twos. <laughs> Second Peter, oh, one three. Is there something in that? Two, two, two? Oh, oh angel no. numbers. Continue. What? <laughs> Second Peter, one three. His divine power has granted us, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. It's not the knowledge of, of somebody who's saying, hey, welcome to my hyper-anointed area. Give me money and I will give you a sliver of it. That's nonsense. For the record, I know I have not quoted any specific Bible passages. One, because I see you guys just like ready to go with the passages. I just want you to know I, I do have two in my notes and you guys Double it. share them. Well, I believe you guys have already used both of them. So I just <laughs> want, I want that out there. Um, but also, um, Paul's a Christian in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I, I also had in my notes, um, kind of at this point, when I feel like I have been exposed to so much extra biblical, like God's about to do this, God's doing this, you know, maybe some of what these uh, very prophetic, very, uh, they see into the spirit, these type of people, maybe some of what they say is is going to come to pass. Maybe the Lord is kind of moving in that way, but I've I've seen so much not come to pass 
that rather than have to continually kind of have these highs and lows, ooh, God's about to do this, ooh, he didn't do that, but maybe he's going to do this, oh, he did a little of that. Like, I, I would just prefer at this point in my life to have a pastor that is not so charismatic and is just, just show me what the word says. Yeah, just right. cut through it. Just show me what the word says. And, yeah. I don't need that excitement right now. You know what I mean? It's The word is exciting enough. Yeah, mm. and we're not denouncing in any way the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, yeah. any any sort of gifting at all. We are simply trying to clarify the difference between anointing and someone having a gift of something. Right, yeah, and, and that whole mentality of, because we've, there has been a pattern within Christianity of those who, you know, believe this and operate in this mentality of there being a secondary anointing that it does create a sense of elitism, you know, and a a sense of, um, it really squashes a confessional attitude within among believers, you know, to being able to confess your sins to one another and being able to walk in weakness hand in hand, you know, when you're struggling, like, man, if you're, if I'm something who had someone who had this mighty anointing, and that's a di- if if you're convinced that that's you, I don't know how you can stay humble. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Such a hard spot to be in if you're convinced that like, I have this greater, you know, like portion upon my life. Um, and, and I do believe that you know in the Old Testament, those who did have that, you know, the prophets that were called to that, God gave them grace in that, you know, to be humble. And and um, but in our day and age now, the thing is we we have enough in Christ. We have everything in Christ. In the New Testament, we don't have any teaching. Like Chris was saying earlier, there's no teaching about these secondary like anointings. It's just the Holy Spirit, and then from there, you grow by the means of the ordinary means of grace, which is just communion well, and, even with and that, scripture reading right, and right. fellowship with the, with, the, with the body and sitting under the teaching of the local congregation. That's what it yeah. gives us for growth, not seek out this anointing from some other person. Yeah, and even back to what that uh, pastor that we were referring to that was talking about the anointing and losing your anointing, I think you could just, exactly what you were saying, Johnny, ultimately he was saying, I'm going to choose to spend more time with the Father in the presence of the Lord. Is that now I have an anointing, or is it just growing in his faith to become more useful for the kingdom? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you, what happens when we push for this anointing mentality is it makes it seem far off and impossible to attain right when it's like you just see these massive names claiming this authority you know the like all the big names are the ones who are like i operate in the anointing and then there's little old me you know sitting in my little dining room with a couple mics and a couple boys there. (laughs) and it's like it's like oh how do i get that you know like man you're you're going all over the world and preaching and thousands of people are listening and this and that how do I attain the the anointing? Do I just, you know, like, and just listen to what the scriptures are telling us. You know, we were given these ordinary means of grace. Like, just read your Bible. You know, pursue holiness, obedience to Christ. Go out and be evangelistic. You know, preach the gospel. Sit under the teaching of your local church. Yeah. And you will grow. You will grow in the knowledge of Christ. And it's a beautiful, simple thing that that God has given us. You know, he hasn't hidden these anointings in different places, which there's even people within this, you know, community who would preach that and have said it and have written in books that 
there are anointings that have been left in the physical spots where that person who had that anointing has died if that person did not pass on their anointing. And they get this from, again, another Old Testament example of where Elisha, not Elijah, so Elisha, when he was buried um, and his bones were laying in the grave, um, a man fell into it. Oh, no, no, not a, man, a man died, and they were going to be burying this man, but there were marauders coming while this was happening. So these people that were supposed to bury this dead guy just threw him onto the bones of Elisha, and the man came back to life. And so the, people will use that example to say, like, wow, if there are anointed preachers, and that's where you get the whole thing, like, with grave sucking, is like, hey, if Elisha's bones... Grave sucking. <laughs> I can honestly say I've never heard that. Grave soaking. Grave soaking, whatever. I don't, <laughs> see, I don't even... But, but it's, it, it, what happens is, is when we cherry pick verses out of context, this happened one time, right? The bones of Elisha, and the reason for it was God just showing his great power, saying, like, even with Elisha being dead, like, it wasn't Elisha who had this power. It wasn't Elisha doing all these miracles. His bones will still testify of me. You know? It's all about God. The anointing is all about God. And yet we have this mentality of, like, no, it's about the person. Yeah. You know, it's about the person that carries it. Like, and if they didn't pass on their anointing, you can go get it from them. Where is God in that in that equation? If I need something, I go to Christ. Mm. I go to God. He has there everything necessary for me. He has all the grace that I need, all the favor that I could ever ask for. And there ain't no grave. There ain't no they grave. Can they can keep this body down. Ain't no grave. No grave soaking on that grave. Definitely going to cut that out. Leave it in. I have a future, bro. <laughs> Leave that in, baby. Anointed pipes here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, technically. I wanted to kind of change gears a bit. Um into talking about present day, um, like literal anointing, physical anointing with actual with oil. oil. Yes, yeah. we talked. About, we've we've had a lot of discourse about the spiritual anointing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now let's get into a little bit. I mean, there's obviously James chapter that's, five. That's exactly what I. I that's what you're I looking was, for. I was turning to because I figured Perfect. that kind of be would be the next um, well, natural trans. I'll be honest in here. The, the passage you're about to read that one that one puzzles me. It's puzzled yeah. me. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's a good stepping off point for like for what you were just talking about, how mm-hmm. in every aspect, Old Testament and New, we see that the anointing is God. So yeah. with that kind of mindset going on, James 5.15, let me pull it up here. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Paul, let's hear your thoughts first. Before Johnny runs with it. Well, the thing that... Yeah, exactly. Uh, burn. <laughs> Shade is not a burn. <laughs> um, no, not at all. The, the main, I guess, way that I... That the struggle I have with this passage is it says... It goes on to say, in the you know, the person who is sick will be made well. The Lord will raise him up. And I'm just kind of like... It seems like it's given kind of a... This is what's going to happen. And I've... I believe, yeah, I have been anointed with oil with trying to... Uh, you know, asking God to heal my back and it has not happened. So I'm just kind of like, you know, I almost wish that the verse said, and sometimes the Lord will raise him. Like sometimes <laughs> the Lord will heal him. So anyway, that's my big issue. It's, um, but I guess not so much with the anointing with oil. I mean, I, I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of given a, a cool formula that is consistent with the old Testament. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm down to, to do the oil. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I think, 
there are various um, schools of thought kind of on this. There's the like the side that places the power in the oil itself mm-hmm. all the way across the spectrum to those who are like, that's pointless. We're not going to use oil at all. Mm. You know, churches out there that are like, no, we're not going to anoint anything with actual oil. We're just not worried about yeah. it. Like, um, so you have those who are like, not going to use oil at all. Then you have those who are like, we'll use oil, but it's just a sign. It's just an outward sign, yeah. right? We don't think there's actually any power in the oil itself. And then there's those who are going to use the oil right. and believe that its use is empowered by God. Like, God's going to use this oil. Yeah. Um, and then I do want to talk about, just because I found this fascinating, the Catholic Church has a sacrament called Extreme Unction. It's one of their seven sacraments, and it is about this specific passage. Now, Extreme Unction is something they do, and, they, and they've teased it out of this verse, and they claim that what this verse is talking about is, and now what they use it as is, um, upon one's deathbed, you're about to die. What happens is you call in um, a priest, must be a priest, and he performs extreme unction on you, which is he covers the five senses in oil. He anoints them with oil. Your ears, your nose, your eyes, your lips, and then your hands and feet, right? And he every time he anoints one of the senses, he has this thing that he says where he essentially says, like, may may God remove whatever like sins that you committed through this through your oh. eyes and then would may god and this is it's supposed to be this final impartation of grace and forgiveness oh as um, you go like unto death yeah like really? and, and just quoting them uh, i think this is from i believe it's from the council of trent they said to help us at that most important hour on which eternity depends the hour of death yeah. So they hold this, you know, like, like this one moment, like right when you're about to die is the most important moment of eternity for you. Unbiblical. So you need to have, well, here it gets crazier. So, and, and they've made it well, into a, and they're saying that's what James is teaching here. Extreme unction. This like before death. Um, and they would say that the power is in this oil because it has been blessed and administered by the priest and that it literally does the work of cleansing this person of those sins that, were committed by those various, um, by those senses. Mm. Now, the Council of Trent is what made this a sacrament of the seven sacraments within the Catholic Church. They said, this is a sacrament instituted by Christ, conferring good, remitting sins, and comforting the infirm. All right, so they believe it does those things, that this literally act of, of anointing someone with oil will um, confer good to them, remit their sins, and comfort them in their infirmity. They also finished it off by saying that whoever does not, whoever maintains the contrary of how they teach this, oh no, literally down to the specifics of if you don't believe it has to be a priest, then you are forever forever anathematized, which is damning us to hell. Yeah, well. I know, right? It's it's wild, but there are Christians, right? Like, I mean, Christians as in the Catholic Church Whoa. who believe and teach this to that extent. Where they're like, yeah. the oil itself has the power to remit sins when applied in this specific way. And if you don't believe that, then I'm sorry, but you're damned to hell. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. There is, like, that is cool to kind of bring up the comparison of, you know, when we talk about this, we typically refer to the hyper charismatic movement. Yeah. But to then bring up um, Catholicism, which is kind of known more of a hyper traditional type, right. type thing. Um, 
which, you know, is a whole different topic, but, uh, to see, to see the extreme of it on that side too. And it's funny, like, can you, what's the way you worded that? Like the, the moment of death, like how scintillated yeah. is it? Say to, that again. To help us at that most important hour on which eternity depends the hour of death. I, I do completely agree that the hour of life and death is where our eternity is hinged. Where that hour is, I completely disagree with at this statement because I would, I would, my mindset is that you don't go from life to death. You go from death to life. You, we are spiritually dead Mm. in that moment of being reborn, becoming a new creation. Right. And, you know, going from dead to alive. That is where our eternity is hinged on. Whether that happens at when you're 15, 50, 95, doesn't matter how close to your physical deathbed you are your conversion yeah 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 this just sounds indicative of more issues within the catholic church's doctrine yeah and and to me this was and i never knew that this was a thing but it's so like oh wow you know just yeah like you said indicative of when we stray from scripture and the thing is this you know many christian camps stray from scripture and they say you know what we're gonna we're gonna teach things that are extra biblical we're gonna wander off a bit we're gonna give authority to to whether it's giving authority to the Catholic Church or if it's giving authority to the apostle in the local church in your backyard, you know, self-titled apostle. It's still straying from the scriptures and saying, I'm casting authority elsewhere. We have to s- stick to what the scripture teaches here. And specifically in this passage, it's very clearly emphasizing prayer here. And not just any prayer, but the prayer of faith. So starting a little with a little more context here, James chapter 5, starting in verse 13, he says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, that's right there, a prescription. If you're suffering, pray. Yeah. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Once again, prescribing the prayer. Yeah. And then just conjoined with it is anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The emphasis is not on the anointing of oil, as you'll see as it continues, because it continues to say, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person, and we know from the New Testament teaching that a righteous person is not someone who does good, but it's someone who's faithful, right? Who has faith, sorry. It says righteousness is by faith. So the prayer of a faith, a faith-filled person, you could say, has great power as it is working. And then it mentions Elijah as an example, who was just a man with a nature like ours, and yet his prayers, God listened to him and cast, you know, a drought and then brought rain as well after six months, or yeah. three years and six months. But within the context of this, we see that there's just the, the mention of oil, is just kind of briefly in there, right? But the whole context of it is talking about the effectiveness of faith-filled mm. prayer. Mm. Yeah, like pra- James is like prayer works. It, if you're sick, if you're struggling, if you're suffering, whatever it may be, prayer works. Pray. Really, good. He really points, and uh, we actually had a conversation about this this recently about having having a greater desire for us as a Christian community to be more devoted and engaged in having a community of prayer for each other um, Mm -hmm. and intercessory prayer and, you know, in all aspects, but especially, you know, in terms of sickness, you know, 
also, you know, making sure to remember that prayer and faith, remember that God is sovereign over life and death yeah. and everything and healing, mm-hmm. you know, life and death, even his own. So. Yeah. And that, that he holds that all in his hand. And, and it says elsewhere in scripture that if, you know, there are times where we pray things that aren't according to the will of God because we're praying according to our own desires. Yeah. And he says, he's not going to answer that because he knows what's best for us. So it's like, even if I'm coming forward with prayer and like with the elders and we're praying for this to be removed from me, it's like, there are times where God knows better, you know? Yeah. Um, but, and there's a lot more nuances in this passage that we could continue yeah. diving into. Like there's, it's a beautiful passage, but I think a big takeaway, at least from where I stand on this is not with the Catholics and not with, you know, the other side of like, you know, let's just not use oil at all. It's like, I mean, you can use oil. Like our, our church uses oil. Like, yeah. like when someone's sick, they'll, the elders will come out, they'll anoint them with oil and they'll pray over them. But we all understand that the power is in God himself yeah. and that the vehicle he uses to confer blessing is not the oil, but it's the prayer of faith specifically. So tying all this back in and kind of thinking about how this relates to us now, how this relates to us in our daily life and in our confidence to Christ, you know, we do need to rein it back into an understanding that we don't need to seek after a new or multiple anointings. The anointing of our spirit's already been done. Mm-hmm. It's already been done in full. The Holy Spirit is, again, not given out in parts or pieces or minimal doses. You know, it is given to us in full. And we've already been given everything we need in that, you know, everything we need in our life. And it cannot be removed from us. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff, Chris. I would say that we, um, yeah, we're all anointed. And to own that, to be aware and sensitive of the gifts of the Spirit that we possess, and there's a whole bunch of them, and really uh, encourage our brothers and sisters in those gifts, but to not get really consumed with, uh, you know, am I anointed? This person's anointed and special, and start putting those Christian tears on it. Yeah, and uh, above all, when it comes to our confidence in Christ, this you know, concept of anointing and the anointed one is so specific to Christ himself. It has so much to do Mm -hmm. with our confidence because Christ himself is the anointed one. That's what Christ means, right? So he is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He is the holy one, the set apart one. And when we are hid in Christ, we have that anointing over us, right? We have the Holy Spirit within us. Why would we want to seek out any other further anointing or any second anointing when we have God himself residing within us and Christ protecting us? Like there's nothing better than that. And you can find confidence in him knowing that that's true about you if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you walk and obey him and 2 Corinthians uh, chapter verse Chapter verse, 2 Corinthians <laughs> chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. I'm trying to be quick to wrap up, but it says, For all the promises of God are yes in Christ. And so through him, our amen is spoken to the glory of God. Now it is God who establishes both us and you in Christ. He anointed us, placed his seal on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a pledge of what is to come. And you know what's to come? And that pledge, what it's speaking of is it's literally the Holy Spirit is essentially a down payment. It was when, in, in ancient times, what they would do is they would, when you promise something to someone, you give them something to say, hey, keep this until I, until I fulfill what I've said to you. Yeah. And so God is telling us like, hey, 
the Holy Spirit, this is which I have given you, which you have within you, it's a promise that I'm coming back and you will be glorified with me in eternity. Amen. Have confidence, guys. Yeah. Well, Paul, thank you so much for coming. It was really fun to have you as our first uh First special guest, first guest appearance for for anyone on the on the uh, on the solo Christo podcast. Chris, Johnny, and Will, solo Christo uh, dream team. I was honored to be your all's first guest. Thank you for having me. Well, Will's not here. Awesome. Yeah, well, I'm just sadly, I'm just, if no one has noticed, yet. I wanted to acknowledge <laughs> Will as being one of the founders. Nice, love awesome. you, Will. Well, check us out on Instagram at uh, solo Christo if you want to have any questions, responses to anything. Uh, any episode ideas, topics you'd love to hear us uh, cover. We'd love to hear from you guys and engage with you. So check us out. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Solo Christo. We hope that you found this episode insightful and encouraging to your walk with Christ. Please consider leaving a review and feel free to check us out on Instagram to continue the conversation and weigh in on future topics.